Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, all right, all right. We are here with Will Ranke of Forged Media Relations. Uh, we are short a man. Martin was not able to attend tonight, so I'm going to have to Lone Ranger this shit, but I think it'll be all right. Um, Will, give me like the Reader's Digest version of, I guess, how this came about i mean we started talking like you're a you're insta famous bro well first of all thank you for having me i appreciate that and two uh that's a wonderful comment i will uh i guess i'll take that you know i I don't know i think insta famous you have to have at least like a hundred thousand i don't i don't know anymore you know but you do get so i had this conversation with with a friend of mine dustin you get uh fake profiles all the time all the time. I think that is. I think that is kind of a, a, a entry level to being insta famous. If people are oh, faking your sure. profile, a hundred, bro. I had the, the TV show Catfish yeah. from MTV reached yeah. out. We were going to do a Catfish ep- episode. No shit. Like that's how serious. And I figured it out. So listen. So me and my business partner talked about this because we figured out why this happens to me. Well, one, you can't do The Rock, okay? Because nobody in their right mind is going to fucking believe that The Rock is talking to you. So that's like, you know, off the line. So you you, got to get rid of A-list celebrities. You get rid of B-list, C-list. And if you go all the way down to like, you know, F-list, which would be my category, you know, then it's believable. Because people are like, wait a minute. He he does really cool stuff. You know, and people are weird because they're like, They'll crop my stories, put their own voice into the, into like my voice. It's fucking creepy what people do. Um, so it's believable. But then, you know, when they start doing a little fact checking and Googling, it kind of comes to, you know, comes to light. But, bro, what the fuck? It's crazy. And you, you kind of have a plethora of content. So it makes it yeah. easy to like find shit that they can use. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't a ton of content of me over the years. <sighs> It's just mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, it's a lot of stuff, a lot of motivational, inspirational stuff. There's a little bit of me, but like, I mean, I'm almost like, I'm almost sad that I haven't got faked yet. I mean, 
you're not missing much. It is funny though, because like girls will finally hit me up and be like, "Oh, what the fuck? I gave all these nudes." I'm like, well, "Wait a minute." Yeah. So hold on. What we gotta do is why don't we send them to the real will? Let me judge, and then we'll talk about. It. Like, hold on. You thought you were talking to me, yeah. but now you yeah. are actually talking to me. So I don't know. Exactly. Should we just chat? I mean, yeah. it could be a thing. It's why and money. Do you know many girls have sent thousands of dude? This one guy said he was a soldier. He used all my pictures. He faked somebody in a hospital bed, photoshopped my face in like another dude in a hospital bed, and then took my stories on Instagram and overlaid voiceovered his voice into my story saying her name. And she was sending him money. Oh. I was just like, what? I, wild like totally totally wild but yeah legitimately i mean there is a tv show about it but like it's a thing where it's like you could legitimately make a tv show just episode after episode after episode Mm -hmm. about that shit a hundred percent a hundred percent it's wild and realistically there's probably not that many dudes with the amount of content that like you guys like you and dustin have out there i mean chicks like let's face it you subscribe to one only fans and you could catfish like a million dudes because there's you know they're posting 10 pictures yeah. a day yeah right for sure but like dudes it's not a thing like i mean i guess dudes probably have only fans but like the only people that are paying for them are dudes yeah, or old dudes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if I get paid for some helicoptering, I guess I would, but I, I don't know. I, I'm fortunate <laughs> that I own a good business and I don't have to at this point. Knock on wood. So, so yeah, back to your um, original question, um, how Forge Relations came to be. I actually started in the construction industry. Um, I'm very fortunate to say I've never, ever worked for anyone in my life. I've never, at 37 years old, I've never um, been an employee. Started my first company at 18. Um, it was a garage cleaning company in Pennsylvania. And then I was a landlord to all my other college kids. I bought a house and rented it out to them, which was awesome. Uh, and then from there I went to opening a fence company and then I owned a gym for 12 years called Sky Fitness. So ironically enough in that time period in my fitness center life, um, it was going downhill towards the end because of Planet Fitness and all a bunch of other things, a divorce, you know, we can talk about that later. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. And um, I met Ben, my business partner who owns Guns Daily. Uh, and at the time, I was just getting into the Instagram world. I was getting off a TV show that I did with CNBC for my gym. So I was kind of getting a little bit of uh, publicity on Instagram. And I was with my girlfriend at the time who uh, now is quite – Insta famous, uh, Alex Zedra. So she, uh, we started Instagram together. She's the call of duty girl, Mara. And, uh, that's how I met Ben. And then we decided to, uh, start a business, um, called Forge Relations. And it actually started as a procurement company for the military. So I was getting guns and ammo bidding on military con- you uh, contracts. You watched War Dogs too many times, yeah. didn't you? identical identical (laughs) i was like let's do it and the reason that happened was because owning a gym i was training all the cops Ah. so i had those connections with leo connections um and then realized that (laughs) that world is not for me uh didn't want to travel to bosnia and get my fingers chopped off for a couple bucks so uh we went into um one of my favorite things uh to date to do and that's marketing and creativity and filming uh, and then we uh, we started really slow into the marketing world, Forge Relations. And now I'm very proud to say we just actually last week hired our ninth employee. That's awesome. Uh, we are a full-fledged marketing firm that does everything from event coordination to SEO, website builds. Uh, we do product launches, influencer management. Uh, we are a full-fledged marketing firm. Um, and uh, it's been a very fun, interesting road. So I'm very proud to be here. That's awesome. Um, you, when you guys started out, were, were you who was doing the the creative? Who was doing the the filming and the photography and the stuff like that? The the artistic eye stuff. Um, so Ben always was the the technical side of capturing my creativity. Gotcha. So I would always be the storyboard. The um, you know because I mean back in the day, at Instagram photos were king. You yeah. didn't have to do videos and all this. So you just had to kind of be creative with your photos and all that. And companies would come to us and say, you know, here's a gun, go do some cool shit with it. 
um, we were very niche in the, in the fitness, uh, I'm sorry, in the, um, firearms world. Yeah. So we really focused very hard in that one industry for many, many years. And still to this day, I, I feel, you know, we're, we're one of the top firms, uh, in the firearms industry for that. Um, so Ben was always the, uh, photographer, videographer, and then we started outgrowing his skills and we needed him on other other aspects of our company and started outsourcing and hiring internally. Yeah. Did you find it hard to get out of that kind of pigeonhole when you wanted to start doing more other than gun stuff? Uh, yes, that was a very tricky situation. And that's where the salesman comes into me because, you know, a client uh, actually it was weird because our first real big transition out of the firearms industry was political. Really? Um, yes. Yes. So that was a very interesting. And of course, it was for the former president. Um, we were very fortunate that we got to work with a company that made all his Make, make America Great Again hats. Gotcha. So Ben and I did the original... <clears throat> hat campaigns. Um, and we got to work with that company. And the first thing they said to us was like, okay, perfect. You know, we like what you're saying, what you can, what you're talking about, but show us what you've done. And I was like, oh shit. Well, yeah, I'm not going to send you a bunch of videos of people shooting guns and this cool transit because they don't care. Yeah. So what we had to do was essentially, you know, take a couple of steps back and say, listen, you know, here's a situation. This is what we've done. You're either going to believe in me or not. So let me do the first month or whatever for free. Let me let me, you know, build to you, show you what I'm capable of. But, in you know, in doing that, it was the best thing we could ever done because it was building our portfolio. Yeah. So Yes, we were taking a hit financially, but this was a long term game. So it didn't, you know, one month, two months of income, who gave a shit? Yeah. You know, we'd make it up a hundred times over. Um, and we had to do that consistently because we moved into industries and thank God we did. We are not just stuck in the firearms world as a lot of companies are that were, or not, not maybe firearms, but just stayed on one particular niche instead of diversifying, you know, their, their portfolio per se internally. And when you when you move into a, I mean, I know a lot of the aspects of the marketing is similar, but I mean, that's a totally different customer base that you're speaking to. How do you kind of what what does it look like when you guys go in and, and try to figure out how to capitalize on a totally new customer base? Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect. Great question. I'll actually give you one today. We uh, we just had a meeting today with a women's jewelry line. Um, so yeah, we are, uh, that, that, that far out there. So with that being said, as I was talking to the owner this morning, you know, it's what we call step and repeat the procedures of outreach, the distribution gathering and the distribution procedures to get that content, whether it be marshmallows, guns, or watches. It, it's identical because the systems and the, the the platforms to where you're actually taking that content and putting it out, you have to be, you know, has to be a, a dialed in machine to make sure you're optimizing everything that you do. So the only real difference is who's your audience, how are you getting your audience, and then making sure that those channels in those platforms are geared directly towards that audience. So that's your only dialing in in that you have to do. So once you have that platform built, the foundation built, you're just putting different colors on the wall, essentially. And, and um, so you, it's not as hard as you would think. <clears throat> is there a lot of testing in the beginning as to what works with that new customer base and what doesn't? Yes. So we have um, we have dedicated account managers um, and they sit in our office and they do two main things. Uh, their job is to be in contact with what we have another employee called influencer outreach. So what happens is in that realm, they do two things. They find the proper influencers that meet the product. Okay. And then we have to make sure we do all A to B testing with the ad bias from Facebook to Instagram and go back and look at the internal analytics and see which one is performing. So instead of, you know, we tell a lot of clients, Facebook is wonderful. Okay. Facebook is great for just straight up ad buys. 
Wonderful, wonderful thing. So is Google, but AdWords take forever and it's very expensive and it's a, it's a very long-term play. Yeah. But Facebook is more direct. So what happens is along with finding these proper influencers to do the distribution, the A-B testing, we go and instead of spending a buttload of money, just put a little bit. And what we do is we spend a little bit here and spend a lot on the influencers. Now that budget could be the same. And then what happens is once we start dialing in that little bit, so if we're looking at and doing three test subjects, you know, age, demographics, age on Facebook, and we're seeing which one performs the best, which one, you know, is performing uh, cost to acquire each customer. What we're gonna do is dial in those influencers on a big, big scale and do the ad buy here. And what happens over the months, it starts to do this. The influencer budget starts to shrink because what happened is now we know we're dialed in on the ad spend. So we can go direct to the customer without having the influencer. So you have to have the best of both worlds. And that's how, because it's so hard in the beginning with a new client, it's selling air. Yeah. You know, you could tell me, hey, I got a T-shirt and I want to spend a million, uh, make a sell, sell a million of them. And any marketing firm in the world can tell you this game plan, tell you this whole grand thing. They can't guarantee you shit. Yeah. There is no way. So what we've always been really good at is one, keeping track of all that, being very, very analytical and making sure that every previous performance and everything that we do, we always look at that data and we put it into that database so we can take educated guesses. And even that is not guaranteed because with algorithms and God knows what else happens anymore, you know, shit changes constantly. Yeah. So what does your upbringing look like that you ended up, you, you have, you have the, the selling air personality, right? Like mm-hmm. you do. And, and, and I'm in sales too. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we see each other, right? Mm-hmm. What did, what did your upbringing look like that developed that? Um, it was the, I have no choice but to succeed situation. I always put myself in situations to where I won, never said no to anything, no opportunity would I ever say no to. Meaning I might not have any fucking clue how to do it. But in that time, in that moment in my life, and if I was standing next to someone and said, can you do it? My answer was always yes. And I would pretend like I knew what the fuck I was talking about and I would go do it. So that mentality has always stayed with me because it forced me to be a man of my word. Now, failure is fine. You know, you learn from your failure, mistakes are made, but making sure you give everything that you have to make it happen, you never can really go wrong with that. Because once again, selling air is fine as long as you can back it up by making sure and showing value of what you did. So that always forced me to... You know, like an example of when I when I owned my gym, I did my own screen printing. And then from me making my own screen printing, people would come to my gym, buy my shirts and go, oh, who did your screen printing? And I'm like, well, I did. And they're like, oh, well, how? I'm like, well, I bought all the equipment because I didn't want to pay someone else to do it. And they're like, oh, well, do you want to make our shirts? I was like, yeah, sure. And all of a sudden I hired this 17-year-old kid, put him in my in a little corner and he started running screen prints and I started buying dryers and presses. And then someone asked me, they're like, who did your security system in your gym? I was like, well, I did. And they're like, oh, well, I own a car dealership. Can you do that? I was like, sure. So then I started running IP systems. I mean, it just, it never, you know, it was just money wasn't the, 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 um, the driving factor. It was the, it was the factor to always accomplish something that it wasn't my comfort zone. And then it, I made it my comfort zone and it made me excited to do it. Learning the, the learning of the new thing and, and yeah. not necessarily mastery, but, but yeah. becoming proficient at it, the new thing. Not mastering it yeah. by any means. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so similar, like Jack of all trades, master of none. There and, it is. I love it. That's my favorite, man. And yep. it's, and it's, it's great. I mean, I don't, I don't even remember who said it, but uh, specialization is for insects, right? Exactly. It, which is also a little weird because like the greatest of the great are specialized, but I don't think that I have that in my personality yeah, to me neither. slap on one skill for 10 years to become the absolute best at it. 
Yeah, I'm not Mark Zuckerberg and all those fuck. I can't do. That. I can't just sit there and look at a fucking computer and do one. I'm that to me. My brain is just. I'm. I'm in twelve different fucking directions, and that's okay. You know, I, I might not ever be a, a billionaire, but well, fuck it. I'm very happy and I love what I do, and I'm gonna be a multimillionaire. So you know, it's still a win. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I mean, really, after what is it, seventy thousand dollars a year, your happiness always comes back to where it is, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So. Exactly. My whole thing is um, when I tell everyone, especially that are, you know, someone graduating college or I just hired a new intern. He's 18 years old. And I'm like, listen, freedom is priceless yeah. for you to get up on a Tuesday morning and say, I'm going to go do this because I can. But also make sure that there's food on your table. Your bills are paid. You know, don't sack. Don't just be a lazy bum and do nothing. I'm not yeah. saying that, but just sitting there and saying on Friday, when Friday comes, I either have money in my pocket or I don't. And the reason either one of those happened is because of me, not because some fucking guy sat in his desk and wrote a check on Friday and said, here you go, dude. I'm not taking that check from someone else writing. I want to make my own fucking check. And that's what I've been doing my whole life. That's awesome. Who was your biggest inspiration growing up? <laughs> Um, two people, uh, my father and my grandpa, uh, for two completely opposite father's uh, father. My, yeah, my dad and my grandpa. Yeah. Just making sure it was the same father's father. Yeah. Uh, so no, no, it was my mom's father. Mom's father. Okay. Yeah. So my pop, he recently passed away and this whole fucking COVID bullshit, I couldn't see him. So I wasn't even allowed to see him on my, you know, on his deathbed. So that sucked. That does suck. Um, but anyhow, uh, he was a big inspiration to me because he was just like me, except he would say no to everything. So he passed up on every fucking opportunity he could ever had, but he owned gas stations. You know, he did, uh, he owned a limo company construction, fucking coolest dude ever gave me my first gun still have it at eight years old it's a 410 side by side fox savage my most prized possession um you know my pop is the man but he always old always told me one thing don't ever ever be a shoulda woulda coulda kind of guy he always told me those stories that when he was in the limo driving this ceo the ceo said joe i you all have your personality. Why don't you come do this? I got this opportunity. You go, oh, no, no, no. I can't do that. Or, you know, at a gas station, Joe, there's a property for sale. Go buy it. No, no, no. I don't want to do that. He always passed on everything. And I always told myself, I'll never fucking pass on opportunities that come my way. And my dad was just a hardworking hand. You know, he, he said when I worked with him, worked for him. So he owned a general construction company or he was a general contractor. And then he went into um, he was pretty big at one point uh, in New York City. He was in commercial real estate. He had about 70 guys in the union that worked under wow. him for his company. He built the um, built some really big buildings. And, um, you know, when I went when I would work with him. He goes, you're not doing anything until you learn how to fucking sweep. Here's your broom and go fucking sweep. And he would make me sweep and sweep and sweep. And I would just sit there, you know, 12 years old, fifth, whatever the fuck it was. I'm like, you suck. Like this sucks. But then, you know, realizing how important it was to sweep. And to this day, that always sticks with me because the sweeping part was irrelevant. But was so relevant was keeping your life clean and organized because the better that was, the better the job site would be ran and people would look at you and not electricians wouldn't come in and throw shit on the ground and do this. So we built a couple houses together, um, which has been really fun. But unfortunately, in my early, early years of 10 years old, my brother passed away. Uh, he was five. I was 10. We were playing baseball together. So that's why my gym is called Sky Fitness. His, his name was Skyler. Oh. So my dad from that point kind of went downhill and gave up that company. And then he was just like, you know, he just built houses here and there. Still very successful. And I can't imagine what that would do having kids. I can't. I, uh, I honestly can't imagine what that would do to the psyche. Um I mean, it's, it's your number one, it's your number one value, right? It's your number yeah. one thing is, is keeping them safe and mm -hmm. anything happening. Even if you, even if you had nothing to do with it, I mean, mm -hmm. you're, it's going to tear you apart from inside. hundred percent. I'll never forget that day when we came home from the hospital. My parents were never the, and I was 10, I'm, I'm 37. I was 10 when it happened. I, I mean, vividly, my dad and my mom changed forever. Everything changed. And I turned into a fucking lunatic. I was just like, you know, 
untouchable in my own brain. I wouldn't die. You know, then I started buying dirt bikes and jumping. I'd be the first one to try and do the most. Cause I was like, well, fuck it. Who cares? And then that slowly, thank God got out of me. Cause then I realized getting hurt hurts. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. It really hurts a lot, especially yeah. like 17, 18, when you're like locked up in bed for three months. Mm-hmm. I lived through that one on a four wheeler. Same, same type deal. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I love the, I love the, your dad making you sweep. Cause I don't, I think it was Goggins that was talking about making your bed and it's the same idea. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not the making of the bed that does anything. Making your bed has nothing to do with being successful, but what it does is it starts your day with a discipline. And when your day is started with a discipline or your career or is started with a discipline, the shit is clean. Like it mm-hmm. sets the precedence for what is to come after. Absolutely. Could not agree more. So you owned a gym, bro. We're uh, so squared away. The podcast is is the four pillars of being squared away is the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. And you nobody's ever squared away. The idea is that we're always working to improve those four pillars. So what does or has been the most successful for you with your physical practice, even if it's not currently right now? Yeah, it's definitely not current right now. That's for sure. Um, I definitely shied away from the gym in many aspects. Um, routine dedication. Uh, well, no, let me back. Routine. Having a very just daily routine changed everything in my life. And you had no choice. So I, I was a prep coach and then I competed for a long time. So in order to step on stage and compete, you know, get your body down to – it was like 4.5%. Yeah. It's, um, it's very, very, uh, not only challenging, but it just comes down to just being dedicated and routine. Cause if you don't, you miss that one thing or you take that one extra sip and that one little, it changes everything when you get on stage. So competing year after year and doing show after show, how my body and how my physique changed. I saw how I would cheat a little bit three, four weeks out and how I would think internally in my head, that doesn't matter, but it does. So having that experience and getting on stage and looking back at those photos and going, Oh shit, that matters. So, you know, you take that mindset and you bring it to everything you bring it to your business, you know, that little number you skew or that one person you fuck, you don't realize how, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks or down the line, it's going to come back and it's going to really fucking hurt you. That butterfly effect. So, you know, that's definitely been a big part is that routine. What is it like mentally? This has not, this is not in my notes at all, but I did not know that you competed. What is it like mentally and emotionally to be at 4% body fat? Um, so two things first really come to mind. One, a loss of general reality. Um, and the reason why I say that is because socially it's, it's very taxing on a relationship. Um, it's very physically demanding and you're not who you are because mentally you're so, you're so depleted and your mind is so focused and you're so fucking just zoned in on this, on this image of yourself. It's like, I remember walking around in the mall and I would see reflections and I would just, I was so fucking delusional that I would just stop and stare at myself at every single thing and flex. It was, it was such a psychological fuck that people would be talking to me and I'd be looking right through them just thinking about, oh man, I get to eat in 20 minutes or, oh man, I should probably flex a little bit harder or I got to do this. And I was training three times a day and then bringing that into, you know, having a relationship. Alex was competing at the time. Uh, So we were living in the same house and it was just like, it was like a fucking atomic bomb, just waiting, (laughs) waiting to go off. You know, if you sat there and just moved your back in a certain way, it, it, it was wild. People say fucking steroids are nuts. No, it's not the fucking. It's food. It's it's your depletion. It's your body. You are you are at your you are at the pinnacle of the breaking point. Everyone, you know, it's so funny. Everyone backstage, like my girlfriend now, she's like, you know, I can't believe you saw those naked girl because I used to tan and I was a prep coach too simultaneously. Yeah. So I was competing and I was a coach to almost 16 fucking people. So I had to deal with 16 people just like me and try and compose myself. And I'd be, you know, spray tanning these girls and getting up in their coochie and all this stuff. I didn't give a fuck. Like, 
you know, I tried to explain to these people, you're backstage. No one cares about sex or anything. Nothing matters. You're so just your brain is destroyed. And the worst part is you're always fucked. Like I have very bad body dysmorphia to this day. Yeah. It's very, very bad. It fucks with you. Not only does it fuck with your metabolism, your hormones, the drugs, but the psychological aspect of never being self-confident, never being okay with who you are unless it's somewhere in that realm. It's very, very fucked up. Yeah, and I mean, you're a 4% body fat. You're not thinking about sex at all. Like there's no fucking hormones left in your body at all other than what you've put in there. Yeah, exactly. They're gone. That that's that's another thing. Um, <laughs> the amount of added um, injectables mm-hmm. where that's come mm-hmm. in the last few years. I have a friend who competed mm-hmm. and one day he was legitimately just out like running on the soccer field. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, dude, I have so much. And he's listed off this fucking list of stuff that I've never even heard of. And I'm just like. Dude, you're 21 years old. Like, Mm-mm. that's going to fuck you for a very long time. Very long time. I mean, I have no problem talking about it. You know, like when I did it, I was uh, I was always the guy that less was more. I never really, I, for one, I didn't really want to go down that road of just getting massive. So I, I did men's physique. Um, so thankfully, I didn't have to go like, you know, too yeah. crazy. Um, so I would run tests, I would run, you know, different blends of tests. And then I did some deep ball and shit like that, winch roll, but I would never, you know, everybody started running these just super blends. And I was like, trend, everybody would run trend. I'm like, no freaking way. I swear to God, everybody, half the people at the fucking gym run trend that should, they have no reason to. It's very bad. I don't like that drug. It's very bad drug. Don't would never do it. And I'll never forget, I was at the Arnold and I was, uh, I was doing something. I, I was with Frank McGrath. I don't know if you know, you know a picture of no. Frank McGrath. Frank, he's a pro bodybuilder. He's right. like 6'4". And I asked him, Giant. I was like, man, you know, look, look, look at my physique. What can I do? He goes, triple everything. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. That's all he said to me. Yeah, no, and, and it's... I can't even, I, I have not partaken and I, when I get to a certain age and my test levels get to a certain level, I will, I, I'm, I'll health span or uh, health span is more important to me than lifespan. So if I yep. cut five, seven years off the end, but it's a way better for the next 40, fine, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. 100%. Yeah. But I see guys, especially power lifters who trained on massive amounts of things especially things like trend and the amount of power that it gave them and they're never able to get there again because maybe it's because they can't or maybe it's really just because in their mind that was what got them there and they're not Mm going to put the amount of effort in afterwards 100 percent. they think it's the easier road and it's it's not and you tell these new kids you know they think they're just going to do this shit and just get i'm like you can do all the steroids you want, but if you're not putting the work in, you're just, you know, you're pissing it away for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. Like now I haven't, boy, let's see what's, it's been uh, six years since I did a last show and I haven't done anything except um, I run once a month, 200 milligrams just because at 37 years old, I try and keep my test levels normal. Yeah. You know, and I, and like I said, it's, it's really how I feel now. I'm so used to that. It's, you know, there's days I'm like, oh. Probably get my levels up a little bit, but yeah. you know, it's all doctor prescribed now. It's all, you know, just go to Walmart. Literally you can buy the shit at Walmart. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I run my levels, um, every few years and I'm still, still, I'm 37 also, and I'm still okay. Like I'm still 650, 700. So oh, that's good. I'm yeah. all right. Um, that's really good, but I can tell days that are low. Definitely mm-hmm. can tell days that are low. Yeah. Um, okay. So mental, when you when you need to learn something new, what is your go to media? Books, audiobooks, YouTube. What's your, how are you going to learn something other than other than just getting your fucking hands dirty? Right. Uh, typically, it's always usually doing it my trying to get my hands dirty. 
uh, with a guide of YouTube or any type of visual aid of, so, so typically I'm a phone call guy. So I've been very fortunate in my life that I've built a really good network of other, you know, great individuals that I can typically call someone that I know that works in that realm of just something to give me personal advice. Uh, but usually I like to mentally try and just look at it, feel it, touch it, or whatever it may be. But I, I like to have my own thought process engaged in something that I have no idea. If it's a task that I closed my eyes, opened it and said, do it. And it was out in left field. I want to just spend time engaging it on myself and make my own brain kind of look at it. Because when I go to that person or I go to YouTube, I'm at least familiar and visually understanding what those parts are as I'm looking around. Whereas I've done it before to where, you know, it, it's the best example I give everyone is, you know, opening up a package and throwing the instructions away and taking all these parts. And it's like, you know, you, you look at the box and it's, it's supposed to look like this, but then you see just a bunch of scattered shit and you take the instructions and throw them away. So, you know, that's what I always tell people, look at it, take all the parts out, organize it yourself, whatever makes sense in your own mind, and then go back and open it up and start looking, you know, at the instructions. So I definitely say it's my own mental um, layout and then a vision and then visual and then visual learning. I know now you guys have staff and content creators and hire everything out, but coming up early on when it was just you guys or just a few people, what was your favorite go-to like content creation hack? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I really loved, oh, oh, oh okay. Um, I loved teaching myself the, all the Adobe platforms, the Adobe effects, um, because to me, you know, especially in that day and age, that was way ahead of the curb on Instagram. I would do the old, I would do like the floating gun posts. And there was just a, I'll never forget this one. It was a desert eagle just in this beautiful lake above and like a desert eagle was floating above. And I had to build this whole contraption with fishing string and fucking in the water and doing all this crazy things to suspend it. And then I took the photo and I'm like, well, fuck, you can still see all this stuff. So I was like, all right. So then we bought Adobe and I'm sitting there trying to mask all the lines and, you know, Photoshop it. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, oh, that's cool. You know, and this is like, this is early on in, yeah. that, in that realm. Um, there weren't really apps and all that other shit. So I would say, you know, transforming um, visual illusions, I think would be my, one of my favorite things. Got it. How'd you guys get hooked up with Post Malone? That's a great story. Um, so full, full transparency. Um, years ago, so I've known Post for, it's been quite a while actually. Um, but originally it was through Ben. He, his manager, Bobby, uh, sent us a message on Instagram. And this was like, this is during the YouTube days. This is when he just got like White Iverson. Um, and he sent guns daily a message on, on, on YouTube or I'm sorry, on Instagram. And it was like, Hey, let's make a video. And me and Ben were like, who? Like what? We didn't, I didn't really, we it didn't really register in my, our minds at that point. So then, um, little time went by and then we all realized, and I was like, holy shit, like post Malone, this is fucking awesome. So we messaged him and then Bobby, his manager, who's a really good friend of mine, lives in New Jersey. We ended up, we grew up to like, like an hour away from each other. So we all, it was just like instant fucking connection. And then within like two hours, this is like, it's like four years ago. Um, I was post, me and post started sending each other photos of our guns. We were literally texting each other photos of guns. And then uh, we did a concert together or a concert together. I went to one of his concerts. Um, you, you were on stage. It's cool. Yeah, we are. We, yeah. Yeah. That is the big plus. You always get to go on stage and hang out. And uh, I got into a fight with Cam Newton that night, actually. He was being a dick. Well, and I didn't know who he was. I had no oh. idea who Cam Newton was. So I was like, excuse me, fella. And I'm like, because <laughs> I'm very short. I'm a five, six. And he was like, God knows what the fuck he is. He had his fedora on and 
he was just being an asshole. So I pushed him out of the way and, you know, everyone's like, you know who that is? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't think don't I care. I don't think I could pick him out of a fucking crowd yeah. either. And uh, we ended up having a great night. And then the next day um, we went shooting. We uh, he was talking about Lamborghinis and I was like, oh, man, I called a, lo- a local Lamborghini dealership. I'm like, hey, I need some Lamborghinis. They're like, who are you? I was like, listen, I need some Lamborghinis. I got Post Malone. Bring them. And the guy's like, OK. They literally hand drove up two Lamborghinis to the gun store app. We stayed in the gun store the entire day and night. We, we stayed up all night and we're on the roof. We were in Charlotte in North Carolina and we all like it. it it was just one of the craziest first meetings of anyone. The whole gun store was there. There's like 10 of us. We were playing beer pong all night. And then um, he literally got in his tour bus at, I think, 9 o'clock in the morning and just took off. And we've been friends ever since. See, that's the gun community. You don't find that in, like, the granola community. No. 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 He's one of the most genuine, just nicest human beings I have ever met in my life. His family has been so welcoming. His dad's awesome. Um, I was actually rich. Actually, they just sent me a bunch of shirts from his new company called Trading Post Apparel. I'm going out to LA tomorrow. I'm going out to LA on Saturday to go shoot with Terran Tactical. Um, So we're going to go do some fun stuff out there. Um, But he's just a very giving, generous, you know, one of the nicest celebrities I've ever seen to fans. Uh, We've been at lunch and we were eating lunch one time and people were coming up to him and like mid bite, you know, he'd stop and sign things. I'm just like, wow. You know, and his, his mom is just wonderful. They're just wonderful. He's a wonderful person. I mean, there's just, if anybody I could ever say, Hey, let's just go hang out and have a beer and talk. He's that guy. Like any one of my friends, you would never, you forget that he's post Malone within seconds. And it, it seems like that even when you see him. I mean, no matter what you've seen him on, it seems like that. It seems like he's just 100% genuine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he loves cool shit. And artistic, is, and and artistic as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like just the, the the way that he talks about things and the way that he sees things. I mean, I mean he redid freaking Brad Paisley's I'm going to miss her. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was awesome. Like, I think even Brad Paisley tweeted, like, Post Malone <laughs> might have done it better than me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just out of nowhere. It's, it's phenomenal. So I'm very, I'm very happy and fortunate to, uh, you know, call him a friend and be, I was just uh, excited to see my hat in the background when he was fucking chugging beer out of a shoe. That mm-hmm. was just, that was, that was a highlight of me. Yep. That is true. <laughs> and this shirt, this was actually the same shirt. Yeah. That's funny. So funny. It's a little tighter now, but yeah. Well, <laughs> you just got to keep a few sizes. I'm not going to say that I've gone a few sizes both ways in yep. my shirts. <laughs> Um, what do you think, not the best failure, but the failure that you've learned the most from? Um, my gym. Um, and that was because I let another company dictate the way I ran my business. I let another industry or another competitor put thoughts into my own mind to make me do change what I was doing. So my failure in that was I should have stayed my course. I had a vision, I had a belief and I was doing something very, very good. And the second I saw that vision take a dip, instead of focusing on my vision and going back to what I was originally thinking about, I let a competitor skew how I was doing something and I tried to do it their way. The second I did that, everything fucking imploded. What little more detail was it? Was it changing how you charge, changing how you ran? the? What was it? So it was uh, it was a little bit of everything. Uh, it mainly came down to f- yes, money. Um, because what happened was instead of selling gym membership at Sky Fitness, I was selling people why they were spending more money with me than Planet Fitness. I was thirty nine ninety nine. They were ten ninety nine. Whatever, whatever the fuck it was. Um, so what happened was I spent more of that time convincing them. They're like, well, why are you this? Why are you that? And then instead of continuing my vision, 
because I built a business off of a certain income. I built a business, my overhead requests, you know, required this. And that number was, that's why that number, I didn't just make a number out of my ass. I didn't just say $39.99 because I knew how many minimum members I needed to keep my overhead, to keep me afloat. And that's where those numbers came. So when I decided to start dropping my price in order to match what everyone else was doing, uh, it was terrible. And then also the fact of I was changing my business model. You know, they kept saying the no judgment, we don't want to do this, you meatheads aren't allowed. And I started losing the female audience because they thought we were too, you know, dirty and gruntly, which we weren't. I mean, it was a beautiful facility, but in my mind, I thought that's what I had to start doing. So then I made the worst decision of my life. I doubled down, I bought or I rented another building next to mine, another 5,000 square feet, and I opened a tanning salon, a full studio, a restaurant, a hair salon, and I did this whole like, this whole freaking thing. And my overhead instantaneously, obviously doubled, my loans quadrupled, um, and it helped for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, that didn't help because I skewed away from the original concept of Sky Fitness. So with that being said, long story short, you know, stay the path of your own personal vision, your own goals, and don't let others dictate your future. And, and I'll, I'll even add to that, like sell your pluses versus trying to make your positives, their positives, right? Like I, I pay $40, $50 a month and my wife pays 20 a month to go to planet fitness mm-hmm. and I go to with her once in a while. Cause I can, and it's nice to work out with her, but I would never fucking leave my gym. Cause it's just, it's just not, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not what I need. It's not what I want. It's not what I'm looking for. Like, wait, no racks, no barbells, you know, 50 pounds, what 70 pounds is the heaviest dumbbell. Like, yeah. no, I'm not. That's great for, it's great for the little old ladies that work out in there. Right. Okay. And it's great for people that, that, don't mind missing all that stuff, but there's not right. a fucking chance. I would ever do that. Agreed. So, you know, sell, figure out what you're selling and sell your positive hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Agreed. Um, what, so you worked with a lot of brands early on, mostly the gun community. And then later on ex- expanding, what's the most ridiculous thing you've had a company ask you to do? Uh, post Malone, uh, posty fest. We were, uh, yeah, definitely to this day. That was one of the, well, it was one of the most demanding and wildest in the moment and the most short period of time. So Posty Fest, and ironically enough, it just got announced today that it is back on in October. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, so we did the second Posty Fest and in a conversation, they said, hey, we need monster trucks. And I was like, I can get you monster trucks. I got it. Listen to me. <laughs> this stays between us because no one's listening. No, nobody's going to hear this. No one's going to hear this. I had no fucking clue who, where, and what to get a monster truck. But you better believe in that conversation, in that meeting with all those people, the second that phone hung up, I was going to get fucking monster trucks. If I had to go out and build some shit and go build a monster truck, I would have built it. So, A, getting a monster truck. And then they ended up getting wanting two monster trucks. So I got them two and then wrapping them. So I was known as uh, in the posty fest world and his, you know, it's, I'm the guy that can go get stuff. And I, and I love that in all realms of, I think I kind of say that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was that. And then also I think the most critical part was the day of the festival me and Ben were there and uh, Lewis, who's a creative director was there. He goes, Oh my God, all the vent so I so I ended up doing that. I brought in smash cars. Uh, I did all the vinyl, these like hundred foot vinyl stickers in AT&T Stadium. Put them on on the ground. I had a custom made sword in a stone made out of plaster. I had, dude, I had no fucking clue to find these things. But I will say that did lead into another venture of event coordination. I will say from doing that with Posty Fest, we now own quite a substantial uh, event coordination company. Um, But that day, they were like, wow, all the convention stands are done wrong. There was like 78 of them. And Lewis looked at me and goes, can you get these redone? I'm like, wait, like they were literally two by four vinyl signs. 
And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I, I want them redone. I don't, I don't like these. And I was like, okay, I got you, man. The so day, this day of? Mm-hmm. We ripped them. Me and Ben were on ladders. We took down all the signs. We put them on a trailer, drove them three hours away. My vinyl guy in Texas, who's a good friend of mine now, stayed up all night with his crew, reprinted everything. They There was no sleep, drove it back down to Dallas. They handed it off to me and Ben. Me and Ben were up there with fucking screw guns, screwing up the last panel as literally thousands of people the gates open we're screwing in the last concession stand that says beer post malonal as they just start flooding in and i'm like holy fuck so that was and then we had a great time <laughs> i mean legitimately like that's what we're built for right like mm-hmm. that, that's that's when we do our best work mm-hmm. is in that Under- kind of oh, pressure hell yeah and I, I, I have owned a photo booth rental business and mm-hmm. it, a buddy of mine called me up. He's like, Hey, there's these photo booth things that they're doing at weddings. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like whatever. Mind you, if anybody wants to get in a business, anything that has to do with weddings, people give zero fucks what it costs. People don't care what weddings cost. Like it's $700 for three hours for fucking to set up a photo booth and just stand there with it for three hours, 700 bucks. Anyways. So this is yeah. years, this is years ago. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, how are we going to do it? He's like, I don't know. I was like, all right, I'll build photo booths. Right. And so we had an event. First event, it was for a local hospital. We had to have two photo booths back to back. And it was it was like 800 people. And it was it was the same thing. The night before I was legitimately like still gluing shit together, getting it ready. And hindsight, he didn't really do much of it. But he was so scared because I was already so balls deep into like how the thing would work that he was so nervous that after that event, he's like, I want out. And so I bought him (laughs) out for like thousand bucks or something and then did that for i mean i finally just closed the domain but realistically did it for like six years holy shit but it was great i mean the first yeah. year we did like 50 events <laughs> like awesome. just driving to weddings setting them up people are having fun right yeah. like every once in a while you get to deal with a drunk asshole but whatever it's fine yeah but all right what it, what do you what would you say is the most fun or best used under 300 hundred dollar purchase you've made in the last year I'm looking around my house. <laughs> right? Um like Byron was like, ah, my phone. I'm like, that dude, that's way more than 300 bucks. Uh I would say under 300 bucks. Oh, what did, oh, 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 um um a, oh, a, a fucking it was like 120 bucks. Uh, a bullhorn. This ginormous air bullhorn. <laughs> Best thing ever. I scare the shit out of everyone in the office and stay tuned. It's going, the bullhorn is going to have its own TikTok channel. I'm putting a go, I'm mounting a GoPro in the front and the GoPro in the back. So I'm sneaking around corners with this special bullhorn. That's like, it, it'll pop your fucking eardrums. So, <laughs> Dude, that's it, a lot of, that's got to be a huge bullhorn. It, oh, it's fucking, oh, it's massive. It's massive. Yeah. All right, so my bullhorn, my bullhorn. That's, that's it was good. I, like, I like that. Yep. Um, so you got you guys have come a long ways. You are definitely successful at what you do. How do you stay motivated? Uh, well, that's actually very easy. It's um, making sure that myself, my business partner, and our employees continue to have food on our table. Um, you know. That's a pretty damn good motivator because, you know, if I slow down or I stop, that means someone that works in our office could not maybe doesn't have a job anymore uh, or maybe I'm not going to pay my mortgage. So I, I hate to say it's about money, but I mean, at the end of the day, to stay motivated, it's not, you know, I want to keep leveling up, but. If I'm if I'm we're using the term of, you know, ever going backwards, that backwards never exists because I don't want to let my, you know, hiring someone or, or, or you know, the, the, the new office building and the new overhead to ever come back and financially put me in a position where I can't support that or I can't give someone a job and support them. So, so it's, it's not money 100%. because money would be for you. It's it's the right. ability to provide for it, the people exactly. that you care about. Yes, exactly. Yep. Awesome. What are the Gundies? Uh, the Gundies, the Gundies, the Gundies. The Gundies are something I'm extremely, extremely proud of. 
Um, we are headed on year three. Uh, we should have an announcement for year three uh, next next week. Uh, the Gundies is the award is the firearm firearms community's first ever award ceremony. Um, so think of the Dundies from my favorite TV show, The Office. A hundred percent based off of that. Uh, if you've seen some of the Gundies skits where I got to dress up, we did the impersonating episode where me and Thea, uh, my co-host, we got to play the episode where Dwight and Jim, where Jim impersonated Dwight, and then we did the one where uh, Michael. Uh, had to do his apology video. And my favorite thus far is the video where Will Farrow takes over um, uh, Michael's job and they do the farewell Gundies and they do the different skits. I did an entire skit about the gun community and I had big fake boobs and the whole works and great, great fun video. But so the Gundies is a uh, online voting system where there's 15 categories, uh, most um, most improved influencer, best shooter, um, most influential female, best outdoorsman. So there's different categories. And then what happens is uh, our internal panel, we nominate, uh, well, not nominate, but we, we put individuals and influencers in these categories. So let's just say each category has 20, 30, 40 influencers. Once they're in that category, then the audience, the general public, goes to thegundies.com and they go into each category and they vote for who, what influencer they think should win that category. Well, what's fun about the Gundies is we didn't want to just do something just for influencers and have a party. We want to give back to the community. So the people voting are the ones actually winning. Not only was the grand prize last year for a super voter, he a uh, super cool kid. He had a great time. We flew him out to Texas. He got hammered, <laughs> hammered, hammered. Um, so we flew him out. He actually was on stage with me during the live stream and he did a, a category with me. Uh, he just, he just got out of the Navy, but anyhow, uh, every category is sponsored by a company and every, uh, category has a prize. Like, uh, SIG was giving away guns. Microtech gave away a bunch of knives. Diamondback covers gave away a cover. And if you vote within that category, you have a chance to win all those prizes. So they're pretty, pretty serious prizes. Yeah. And it's not like you got to put money. There's no money. There's no nothing. This is just straight up for fun. Um, so it's uh, it's it, it, it's it's a red carpet event with paper plates. And it's like the Oscars, except in our fucking world. That's so, awesome. That I love it. I, I've yeah. seen it come up and come through. Um a lot of your stuff and I never really looked into it cause I just, I just, I'm, I like the community. I enjoy the community. I follow a lot of people in the community, but I'm not a content creator in the community. So I was just like, Oh, mm-hmm. it looks cool. So that's, I'm glad I got to ask you for right out of the horse's mouth to see what it is. Yeah, it's fun. Well, this year you have to make it. We're doing it in Texas again. So if you want to come out, I'd love to have you. We're in Texas. We're going to do it in drive tanks again. So okay. we're going to have a party at Chacho, uh, like a pre announcement party. Uh, and then the actual event range day. Uh, oh, so a little bit about the Gundy. So the Gundy's itself is uh, a range day during the day. So last year we did it at a facility called Drive Tanks. So during the day we had, you know, guns, machine guns, tanks brought out. Influencers were doing safari rides and companies having a great time. And then at night it, the whole thing was live streamed. So the audience at home could watch the entire thing. Me and Brandon Herrera, uh, known as the AK guy, he was my co-host. Um, so this year we're going to do it there one more year. And, um, so yeah, you're more than welcome to come have a great time. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'll pull, I'll pull a will right here. I'll be there. Perfect. I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. The answer is yes. It's always Perfect. yes. I love it. I love it. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap, man? Uh, no, no. I think, uh, you know, if anything, um, definitely looking forward to the future. I'm looking forward to a lot of, uh, big things, Big things to come. Uh, our next venture coming up is going to be during the NRA show. We were hired to do an event for primary arms. So we will be out September 2nd in Dal- not Dallas, uh, Houston. We'll be in Houston at an event. 
Um, it's going to be cowboy themed. So I'm doing a cowboy themed duel. Uh, we're going to have some, uh, you know, some horseback riding, some machine guns and just good old fashioned American fun. So, yeah, it's about it. Favorite, favorite gun you ever shot. Uh, oh man. Um, probably a Modus off of a, no, no, a mini tank off of a little bird. Many bird off of yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Of course. Thank you. Appreciate Everybody it. Everybody have a good rest of the day.